Welcome back to In the Queue, Film Conversations with Andrew and Phil. I am your co-host, Phil. And despite the fact that Amelia Clark and Jason Clark play mother and son in this film, they are not related in real life. That is true. They are not related in real life. No, they're not. Uh, I'm your co-host, Andrew. And if there was ever a case to be made for just stopping, just stopping a franchise... <laughs> And never, ever picking it back up. <laughs> this is that film. <laughs> God, he came out guns a-blazing. Oh, this is going to be fun. Oh, this is going to be me sitting back and going, yeah, uh-huh, yeah. While you go on this half an hour length tirade about this film. Oh, there's so much to hate. <laughs> All right, so what we're talking about today is Terminator Genesis the latest film in the Terminator franchise, and the first one to bring back Arnold Schwarzenegger after Judgment Day, which yeah. is the second film. Great, great film. The first one was also very good. Well, he was in he was in three. He was in Terminator three. Oh, I didn't see it. He carried a coffin on his shoulders and shot at everybody. I see. Okay. Well, shows how much I know about Terminator movies. Yeah. Uh, I've only seen the first two. I'll be honest with you. And now this one. This is the the third Terminator film. Well, you didn't miss much in the interim, and the fact that they're even still making them is mind-boggling. I, I also, though, I did. I was one of the first to hear his uh, Christian Bale's rant. Was oh, that yeah. from the third Terminator film? That was from the fourth Terminator fourth, film. Okay, yeah. Terminator Salvation. Right, right. Yeah, that was very. That was more entertaining than any Terminator film I've seen before or since. Um. So, yeah, before we talk about Terminator Genesis, I want to tell you guys where you can find us on the web. You can go to our blog at www.in-the-q, that's the letter Q, dot com. On our blog, you can listen to all of our shows. They're all posted there. You can also leave comments. You can leave movie requests, and we'll honor your requests. You can do some of those other things on our Facebook page. Just search Facebook for In the Queue, Q-U-E-U-E, Film Conversations with Andrew and Phil. You can also, in addition to enjoying our shows that we post, you can leave comments, you can leave listener requests, and you can enjoy videos that we post that have to do with whatever film we're talking about that particular week. Yeah, yeah, you definitely can. Yeah, and that's fun. And then also, lastly, uh, you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Just go to iTunes, search for In The Queue. That's Q-U-E-U-E, in case you didn't hear it the first time. You can subscribe. All of our shows will be delivered to you. That's the way it works. You can go back to the very beginning and hear our very first show, all the way up yeah. to this very show that you're listening to right now. True story. You can go back in time and listen to our show from a year ago. No, don't even And then no. tell your no. future self to listen to the last show. No, because that doesn't make any sense, and it's dumb. <laughs> well, I tried, you know. I mean, I just wanted to hawk the show for a minute there. Jeez. Well, I get the feeling that uh, the people who tried to make this movie also tried. Uh, but sometimes trying is just not good enough, is it? Do you it? think that the people who made this film should be tried and convicted? I don't think they should be tried. I think they should just shouldn't be making movies. <laughs> I think that's... 
basically what it comes down to. It's I, this is one of the most incompetent disasters of filmmaking that I've ever seen. So the the film is Terminator Genesis, and uh, the basic uh, sort of summary I can give for you is uh, at some point in the future, there's this sort of group of artificial intelligence that go by Genesis who have taken over and enslaved mankind. And in the future, you've got John Connor, who you may remember from other Terminator films. In this case, he's played by Jason Clark. Uh, Jason Clark sends his buddy Kyle Reese to go into the past to protect John Connor's mother, Sarah Connor. Mm-hmm. And, and then also to prevent Genesis from taking hold. Rather than try and fight it, go back in time to sort of kill it before it really gets, gets going. Yeah. And so uh, Sergeant, I might add, Kyle Reese goes back in time and he meets up with Sarah Connor, who actually is got a sort of a guardian angel looking over her shoulder. Yeah. You know, she's got a, a Terminator that's been with her since she was a little girl. And yeah. that term- came and saved her when she was nine years old. Yeah. That Terminator is called the Guardian and he's played by Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And um there's also some you got to admit though Andrew there there's those early scenes that recreated uh, Arnie's appearance in the first Terminator series Young Arnold Young yeah. Arnold like that was that was some pretty competent CGI uh until he tried to speak and then it looked weird and unusual and looked like it was overdubbed in an old Italian movie <laughs> <laughs> at which point it was no longer an impressive special effect all right fine i tried um <laughs> You can keep trying. No, maybe we will to make it more interesting. <laughs> I uh, okay, so I gave you the, the sort of the general outline of the of the plot, and uh, I was amused to see one of the one of the actors from Mad Men in this film. Uh, Which one was, was that? Um, I am not a watcher of Mad Men. It was the guy. I think his name is Michael Gladys. He uh, he was one of the policemen. He had the beard. Uh, he oh, was yeah. kind of like an interrogating um, Sergeant Reese. Yeah, yeah, he looked just like he did on Mad Men too. Oh, he probably filmed this while he was still filming uh, Mad Men. Well, no, he's been off of Mad Men for the past like three or four seasons. Then, never mind. Never mind. This is kind of like a <laughs> sidestep for him, you know. Maybe not a step down. Yeah. Maybe not a step up. Well, as long as you're talking about uh, supporting characters that it was interesting to see in this film, I was really excited to see Byung Hoon Lee. The Korean actor. I'm serious. You you laugh. No, no, no. I... But I'm serious. As as a Terminator, which was weird and strange, and never mind the fact that it didn't make any sense and it was kind of dumb. But where is he from? He's been in a lot of really great Korean films. He was in Joint Security Area, which was a Park Chan Wook film from mm-hmm. quite a ways back. Also, the short that Park Chan Wook directed in the film Three Extremes. He was in that. He was in a really great movie a few years ago called. Uh, I saw the devil. Mm. It was a great, great Korean mil- like great Korean thriller, like uh, oh, wow. uh, sort of serial killer thriller. Um, he's he's done a lot of really great stuff. I mean, American audiences probably know him mostly from uh, GI Joe, <laughs> <laughs> the two GI Joe movies. But that's uh, probably how the filmmakers found him. I'm guessing for this film. I yeah, I would guess so. I would guess so. He was in the Good, the Bad, and the Weird, which was a, like a fun mm. wackadoodle movie. Interesting. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, it, was, it was cool to see him. Yeah. In this film. Uh, well, this is, this story is really convoluted in this, this film. And it's, 
it's kind of it's like it's a it's a time travel film that you know you really have it's time travel completely wrong and you have to yes it does <laughs> and you have to pay like really close attention kind of like if you were watching inherent vice and you wanted to follow along you have to like follow like very very closely and listen to everything that the characters are saying and a lot of what they're saying is exposition and that's kind of how you you want to try and keep up with what's going on um I would say it's nearly entirely exposition. Almost everything that is spoken in this film is some sort of expository dialogue. Yeah. I mean, it, it, there's almost nothing that is just a spontaneous... Everybody's explaining everything all the time mm-hmm. in this movie. It and, and if you have to explain your entire movie as it goes along, it usually means it's a sign of a bad movie. Although I can think of some films where that's not the case. And, it, and even some time travel movies, like Primer. Mm-hmm. Which is a really, really excellent, like low budget time travel movie from a few years back, from about ten years back, I think. Yeah. That takes time travel and it has to explain the sort of intricacies of time travel and like what they have to be careful of and you know trying not to overlap, meet their selves in the past, right? All that kind of stuff. But. It is fascinating and scientifically interesting in that context. In this context, it's just dumb. So what what comes out in the film, and this isn't like a spoiler, I don't think, but I, I, probably not at all. Um, when Sergeant Reese and John Connor are, you know, talking about him, about Reese going back in the past, it later comes out that uh, Reese is actually John Connor's father. Mm-hmm. And that... Um, that that is a which little bit... which we know, we know from the first Terminator film that Kyle Reese is John Connor John Connor's father. Oh, okay. That happened in the first Terminator film, where Kyle Reese was played by Michael Bean. Oh, okay. and he and Linda Hamilton shared that one steamy night together. Yeah. Before Michael Bean was unceremoniously dispatched by Arnold. And then in the second film. Little John Connor, played by Edward Furlong, has been growing up without a dad or a mom, for that matter, because she's been locked up in maximum security prison for a really long time. Right. Because uh, everybody thinks she's crazy because she's ranting about the Terminators coming. Those two films, spectacular, <laughs> spectacular movies. This film. Hey. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of special effects in this movie. I'll, I'll go ahead and, and talk about that. Um, there are. A lot of the special effects in this movie are kind of like, wow, that's a really cool little animation you did there. Wow. And yeah, there's some special effects that really kind of like are, are eye candy, but they don't mesh at all with the photorealistic world in which they inhabit in the film. Not even close. Um, there's only one special effect that I saw that I thought was kind of interesting, and that is when... Um, so John Connor uh, comes back to meet with Reese and Sarah, and, and except John Connor's bad, and he's he's wanting to sort of interfere. And so there's this scene where um, Reese and Sarah Connor get him in like in front of a, an MRI, and they like uh-huh. they activate the MRI, which is of course is a magnetic resonance imaging device, and so it's a magnet. And so it magnetizes John Connor and sucks him back like towards it, but then he's he's strong enough to to walk away and he's walking towards Sarah and Reese, very slowly but 
Shirley, and they just kind of stand there watching him. But then he's leaving like sort of like these different like visual iterations of himself behind him, which is sort of like pieces or particles of his of his Terminator body. Is he a Terminator? Yeah, he he's he the the new Terminators are this sort of nanotechnology that takes over your cells and replaces them with little robots, little Terminator robots. So you, instead of being made of liquid metal or of a, an you know endoskeleton that is entirely machine, yeah, you're made of a billion tiny little robots. Right, right, and so. They're sort of like being peeled off of him as he walks forward. And I thought that was kind of a cool thing. I thought it was it was the kind of effect that I could tell the the visual effects people knew what they wanted when they were going in to create the effect. I would disagree. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, yes, I would say that they knew what they wanted, but I would say that it doesn't make one of the great things about Terminator One and Terminator Two is the fact that the while the functioning of, for instance, a liquid metal Terminator doesn't necessarily make any logical sense to us watching it. We look at it, we're like, how would a thing like that work? Mm-hmm. It still behaves with its own internal logic within the context of the film. So every time it gets shot, we see these ripples of, of goo, you know, of liquid. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when it gets hit with an iron bar, it splits in two and then reconstitutes itself with the iron bar in the middle of it. And... You know, really cool mm-hmm. stuff. It can it can walk through uh, jail bars, you know, as as he very famously does. He walks through the jail bars and Robert Patrick, Robert Patrick, yeah. And all that is really really cool stuff. But it also follows its own internal logic. But in this, the the magnetic res- resonance imaging machine, the MRI. Uh, it, it is a huge magnet, and I get—I guess the idea is that every time the magnet makes a pass, that's when it's leaving an iteration of John Connor Terminator behind. It's kind of like that scene right? in uh, I Heart Huckabee's when Mark Wahlberg and Dustin Hoffman are talking about the like how their faces are made up of little tiny particles, and they get closer and closer, and you see them floating off of their faces and everything. It's kind of like that, right? Yeah, it's kind of a little bit like that, but. The, the logic of it is that the the if he's a you know a couple trillion tiny little machines and the MRI like holds him to it when it's switched on then his walking away wouldn't leave these ghost images all those little tiny machines would just get sucked into the MRI so he would be getting peeled off a little bit at a time every time the the thing made a pass, there would probably be a cloud of little machines that got ripped off of him, but they wouldn't just stay in one place for the purpose of a, a visual effect. Well, maybe they're being attracted by the magnet that is John Connor, and that's why they're hovering in between the, the MRI and John Connor's body. I don't buy that at all. <laughs> well, you don't, you don't think maybe there's some attraction going on between John Connor and those sort of iterations? What, that he's that he's magnetized in the opposite pole and as powerful as an MRI? That doesn't make any sense. Well, you can't really say definitively if it does or doesn't, I think. I mean, you can't say whether or not he's more magnetic than an MRI. I would say that the fact that we're having this conversation shows that the film did not succeed in what it was trying to do. I, like, the, the fact that you look at it and go, ooh, that was a cool effect, yeah. is really all, that was the extent of their thought process whereas if you watch a movie like terminator 2 
Terminator 2, every single cool effect, and it is filled with cool effects beginning to end, mm-hmm. every cool effect has purpose and a place within the context of those characters in the film. So when the liquid metal Terminator behaves in a certain way, you can always expect him to behave in a certain way. So then when you get to the end of the film, you when certain things happen that I won't necessarily say to not spoil it for people, mm. when certain things happen with the liquid metal Terminator, it, the logic makes perfect sense. The logic in this never makes sense. I never understand, A, how this... This particular Terminator is functionally different from a liquid metal Terminator, which it doesn't seem to be. Mm-hmm. And B, what his weaknesses or any of that kind of stuff, it, it, it just doesn't... Well, does, he, I mean, does his body react in the same way as the, the other Terminator, the, the, the Asian actor you mentioned? And like, does it, I mean, because his, his... Yeah, when you're like all... All of the all of the aha special effects moments with this particular Terminator revolve around things that we already saw the Liquid Metal Terminator do in previous iterations of the films. Mm-hmm. We already saw him get a, a hole blown in his hand and then it reseal itself. Except this time, instead of just going blip blip blip, it goes tick 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 tick. Wait, how's it go? Tick 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 tick. Okay, reverse. Forward. Nope, I'm done. All right. Well, I see what you're saying. Yeah, he's like this. The Jason Clark Terminator sort of operates under different rules than the other ones that we've seen. But it's not just that it operates under different rules. It's that it doesn't operate under under any consistent logic within the film. It just is. They're just like, oh, this is an interesting. This is, we have to make a cool new kind of Terminator instead of just like focusing on the plot and making a good Terminator movie. You could just use the Terminators from the first two movies for 20 films and it would never get old Mm -hmm. as long as you had interesting stories to surround it. Yeah. But instead, in every single iteration of these films, they felt the desperate need to create a new Terminator every time. I have no idea why. The third third movie, the one that you did not see, Christiana Locken played... Not only a girl Terminator, oh my goodness, mm-hmm. but also she was she had an uh, an endoskeleton like Arnold in the first movie, and she had liquid metal surrounding that. Why that makes any sense, I don't know either. It it's functionally it's functionally a step backwards from the previous versions of the Terminator. The only functional step forward with this particular one is the fact that by touching somebody. Your little nano machines can infiltrate their body and turn them into a Terminator. So it's basically like Terminator zombieism. Well, I know your position on films that are insulting to one's intelligence. I know. Oh yeah. I know that you're not a fan of a lot of movies that come out during the summer because they are popcorn flicks in the worst sense of the word. They are basically meant to put asses in seats, however, the, however well they can. But there's good and there's bad. Yeah, yeah. We just talked about Mad Max, which is a popcorn flick, and that's fantastic. You can watch the Fast and the Furious movies, and as derided as they have been by some people, those movies are super amazingly fun. They're crazy fun to sit there and watch, and you know, it's it is a popcorn flick. Mm. This is ostensibly supposed to be that same kind of thing. It just fails in every way. Yeah. Well. It's weird in this movie too because like Schwarzenegger he's trying to 
maybe he did this in previous Terminator films, but he he does he's he's much more often the the comic relief in this movie than anything else. Well, I think starting with the second film, in the first film, he's just terrifying because he's chasing down Sarah Connor and trying to kill her, and that's yeah. the whole deal. In the second film, he has some comic relief because your expectations have been upended because he's there to help John Connor rather than to harm John Connor. Right. And so he can play a little bit more into the humor, but there's also genuine emotion and pathos as a part of that story, as ham-fisted as it might be coming from James Cameron, which is typical for James Cameron. But it's still fun and it's still interesting and you still get real sad at the end, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but... In this film, though, in, the, in this film, he's 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 goofy. I mean, he there's this like continuing take that they do where where he tries to smile to like um, show yeah. him, show how he cares or something like to to Sarah how how human he has become. And it's just it's just like a very sort of intentionally awkward baring of teeth that that he does. And I'm, I just I he just sort of seems to be like a neutered version of of the Terminator. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. For a couple of reasons, I think. <laughs> One is the fact that the filmmakers don't take this movie seriously. The filmmakers, from what I can tell, either the writers or the director or all of the above, uh, have a reverence for the material. They look back at it and they say, oh, yeah, I really love those Terminator movies. Oh, those were so great. But in having that reverence, they spend the entire film just regurgitating things that have been done before in ter- in previous Terminator movies. This is – the entire first half of this film is just identical set pieces to things that we've seen in other Terminator films. Not even other action films, other Terminator films. Mm-hmm. So they don't – they aren't even taking it seriously enough to actually craft something intelligent and good based off of the previous installations of the franchise. But – more than that, I think that they can't, like, they just don't take the the gravity of the situation seriously enough. And that might have to do with the fact that it's so convoluted and the time travel mechanics that they come up with are so sort of pathetically overwrought <laughs> that... They they just throw up their arms and say, well, I guess we'll just have Arnold crack a few jokes and call it a day. Well, you know, I mean, they want to they want to make it different enough each time that they feel like they'll bring in more audiences or new audiences. But you also said that a lot of the action and set pieces seem to be taken directly from other Terminator films. Yeah. So yeah. so you're saying it's sort of like a, a mashup of old and and new. Yeah, it's like it's like the Terminator's greatest hits, but because they couldn't get the recording rights to the original versions, they re-recorded it. But this time, the people are you know the original band is really old and has a bunch of you know stand-in uh, session musicians instead of the original members of the band. <laughs> That's a good analogy, uh, very well thought out. Um, yeah, I think that it's a. Uh... I lost my train of thought. I, I just feel like it was it was a passable film. It was it was passably entertaining, uh, not not good or great, just okay. I would say. But um, I just kind of think that it's 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 just like a, a cash cow. And and what's happening now is you know we, you know Andrew and I and many of you, you out there are approaching middle age right now, so the people who are in power who are making decisions in Hollywood are are our age. 
and you know they want to they want to make money, and so they think that if they appeal to our nostalgic complex of what we watched when we were kids, then yeah. we'll we'll gladly hand over our dollars and sit through their movie. Well, and the truth is that they're right. Jurassic World is the largest grossing film of this year and one of the biggest grossing films of all time already. It had the biggest opening of any film ever. It had the biggest opening of any film ever. Did it look like it was going to be good? Did the trailers look good? No, it looked like a garbage film. And by all reports, I haven't seen it yet. It is pretty much a garbage film. I saw it and I didn't like it. I thought it was, was bad. Yeah, and that seems to be the general consensus. But people will still go. This is also why we're getting all of these franchises franchised out into eternity. Star Wars, we're going to get a, a, star, a new Star Wars movie every single year for the next 10 or 15 years. We're going to get a new Ghostbusters film every year for the next five years or whatever. Are you, are you, like, are you serious? New Ghostbusters film every yeah. five years? They are doing. They are currently working on two Ghostbusters reboots. One with an all female cast. One with a male cast. That's supposed to be, of a, a, a rebooting of the original franchise. Mm-hmm. And then they are planning on doing at least several more. Terminator Genesis. This film was planned with two additional. Oh yeah. Terminator films to follow up on this one. Well, they left the ending wide open for a sequel. I mean. But they've done that with every single Terminator film that they made, uh, basically. I mean, well, except for the first one. The first one, you would think, well, actually, no. Even that had an open ending uh, because the the arm is left behind. And that, of course, forms the basis for Terminator 2 in a rather ingenious and really quite fantastic way because Miles Dyson pulls that, that arm out of the wreckage and studies the microchip and... That's how Skynet gets started, and you know there's a very there's a very well thought out sort of mythology about mm-hmm. it. But in this film, they just they it seems like they start from the premise first, and then work their way backwards to how can we shoehorn this premise into an already existing timeline. Mm-hmm. And I actually read a very interesting article not long ago that was talking about the fact that the people who are writing these films get really, really, they, they can't write freely because, for instance, in the Marvel Universe, everything has to play into the grand master plan, the big Marvel master plan right. where they're, they've got movies planned through 2027, right? So you have to, you can't just write a movie about any given superhero and explore an interesting theme or a side, you know, sort of storyline from the comic books that was interesting or darker or more, you know, wackadoodle, whatever. You can't do that because everything has to play into the master Marvel plan, the, the, Infinity Gauntlet saga that they're going to do. Right, yeah, the franchise. The whole big franchise. So because they're franchising movies essentially now like television shows, but on a, a gigantic scale in terms of both time, money, and scope, it, it's it, it's I don't see how this is sustainable except for the fact that people fork over their money for it. I, I don't. I I'm I'm just baffled. I'm just baffled by the entire thing. Well, you can't really ask for your money back after you see Terminator Genesis. I mean, you might, but <laughs> most people aren't going to be like, mm, that didn't really live up to all the hype that I was expecting, and the special effects were just okay. I was I'm not satisfied. I think most people like. Uh, I think most people have maybe three terms to describe the movies that they watch in the theater. 
I think people will either say a movie is good mm-hmm. or it sucked or it was weird. Yeah. I think that's the ter- that, I think that's the <laughs> lexicon for most maybe just summer movie goers. I I think that the other one that you have to add in there is boring. Yeah. Because if it's something that is a little more high-minded or something that's an art house film or something like that, they might they know what boring might be they, in there. Like if they were if they were to watch Primer in place of Terminator Genesis, they'd probably be like, Ugh, right, boring. So if they had if they had maybe some modicum of respect for the film, they wouldn't say it sucked. But if it was boring, they would just say it was boring. Yes. Well, hey, at least Amelia Clark was in this movie. Well, I mean, I wish that it had been a better performance for Amelia Clark. Uh, I mean, I think she's fine as Daenerys on Game of Thrones. I don't think she's spectacular as Daenerys. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was hoping that she might embody Sarah Connor a little bit more. I think it didn't help that she's diminutive. And uh, uh, Linda Hamilton is like big and tall and sinewy and muscular mm-hmm. and... And Amelia Clark is small, diminutive, soft. Like you know, it's they're they're a very different kind of woman. So seeing Amelia Clark in this film, and I'm not saying that you can't replace one actor with another in the in the same role. Right. I'm just saying that this was a strange choice for this role to be replaced. Well, I can see why they chose it. I mean, yeah, physically it doesn't always match up, but. I think, I mean, her face and her hair kind of looks like Linda Hamilton. A little bit, but I, but I, when, when she is consistently dwarfed by everybody in the room, I mean, part of the reason that Terminator 2 is so good, part of the reason that Terminator 1 is so good is that she's strong and she projects this immense amount of inner and outer strength. And, you know, in the, in the same vein as Ripley from the, alien films she's this very very strong powerful presence that you believe would have no trouble taking on an army of synthetic you know beings whereas i look at amelia clark and it works for game of thrones because of the storyline because the targaryens you know are she's a child when she's promised to call drogo and then goes off into the that whole life and she has to earn her strength. But in this film, I just didn't buy it. I just, I just didn't think that it was, mm-hmm. it was great. She also, she also has that, that English, English accent problem <laughs> when doing an American accent that we've talked right. about before on the, on like the with podcast. the drop Tom Hardy. Yep. yep. Yeah. And anything Kate Winslet ever does. Yeah, you know, I'm excited about Steve Jobs, which I think is coming out this fall. Uh, but yeah. although Michael Fassbender, he's good at accents, and I'm sure he's going to be amazing in the role, but he just he doesn't embody Steve Jobs for me. He just doesn't look like him. He seems like a totally different kind of type of person. Well, he's he's lanky and lean, and yeah, but he's you know he sort he's of like a brawling you know ragamuffin, <sighs> and Steve Jobs is more like kind of nerdy. So like, yeah, I see what you're saying, but I think he'll be spectacular because he's Michael Fassbender and he is capable of anything. He's <laughs> he is. So yeah, I mean, if I haven't been clear enough, I think that the other actors in the film are are bad as well. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I don't think there are any good performances in this entire film, except for maybe J.K. Simmons, oh, who yeah, shows up yeah. in the middle of the film oh. and is like putting his all into his role. And for a, a brief moment in the middle of the film, you're like, oh, yes, somebody is actually doing their job. He's like the fool. He's like the, the jester. And he, yeah, he's a little bit of comic It's a great way to follow up Whiplash because he's, he's this, such this like role that you don't take seriously at all. And he really does try... To, to be silly and funny and he's he's highly amusing and 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 but also highly perplexing as to why he's in this movie and it's just really <laughs> weird why he yeah. decided to to take the role but uh, I'm sure he was paid well for it now that sure. he's got his Oscar he doesn't have to try anymore <laughs> well I think that uh, he was probably shooting this well before he actually won that Oscar oh, you think so uh, oh yeah yeah. yeah. This would have been shot last year at the at the earliest. Yeah, probably might have been started shooting two years ago. Lots of lots of post processing on this particular. Maybe film. he went back in time before he won the Oscar oh. to shoot Terminator Genesis. Stop. And then it. had Stop. had a child with <laughs> Amelia Clark. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, another thing, just real quick, Genesis. This program this operating system that is the big threat in this film it's the main threat in this film it's supposed to be the the rise of skynet now that there's been an alternate timeline created because skynet was destroyed in the other timeline in this timeline genesis is the the thing that's going to mess everything up and their only description for this operating system is it will it will sync your phone, your tablet, your computer, your car, everything. That already exists. That's already a thing that exists. That's that's not a weird thing. That's not like a revolutionary technology. Yeah. There's nothing about it that seems like it would be the harbinger for the eradication of the human race. It it's baffling. That every every decision that they made about this film is completely baffling. Why would they send a liquid Terminator back in time to the time when they go to try and get John Connor instead of sending him back earlier or trying to fight Arnold between the time that Sarah Connor is nine and the time that she's in her early 20s in this? Like, why would they not send it somewhere in that period of time? What What is... What is the logic for anything that happens in this movie? Anything. Well, you know, I think that... Uh... My brain just turned into that liquid metal stuff that makes up the Terminator. So I think yeah. we'll go ahead and um, put, put a capper it. on this episode. Uh, thank yeah. you for listening to uh, our discussion slash Andrew's rant about Terminator Genesis. Do not see this film. <laughs> Join us for our next episode. It's going to be a listener's choice. We're going to talk about Tinker, Taylor, Soldier, Spy. The thriller based on a uh, it's a John Le Carre book, isn't it? Mm, Classic mm-hmm. spy th- Cold War thriller. Uh, yeah, directed by Thomas Alfredson. Right, who made uh, Let the Right One In, which is a film that me and Andrew both like very much. Yes. And uh, it stars Gary Oldman, for which he received his first Oscar nomination, finally. Yeah. So look, yeah. Uh, we're looking forward to that. Uh, listen up for that podcast coming up later this week. <laughs>